following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? This is Mick Shots, streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Savannah Hugh Moeller, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. Well, two of us are here today for Mick Shots, brought to you by Miller Lite here on DallasCowboys.com, thanks to... Uh, holidays. Um, we are not there on Monday. We're here on Tuesday at the Star. Savannah and myself are here. Uh, Bill Jones is off to spring training with mm-hmm. the Texas Rangers. Everson Walls is out of town and he never tells us where he's going. Secret so we mission. always assume he's going to somewhere <laughs> secret spot in New Mexico. Uh, I don't know if he's following up on Oppenheimer or what, but uh, he's not here. But we have a special guest with us uh, today, Robert Blackwell, former director of video for the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, good to have you with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And we understand that uh, Robert, after he retired following the 2020 season, has now gotten into doing a podcast of his own, Real Football. Two E's real. Yeah, Real Football Stories with real R-E-E-L, like a reel of film. Very good. That's awesome. And where can we find that? It's everywhere. Spotify, Apple, Amazon. Okay, And uh, we're glad to have him with us on this day. Uh, Otherwise, I don't know if we would have done this. Well, I think, Savannah, what do you think? We could have done it ourselves. I feel like we could have done it. We were were talking about, you know, trying to find a special guest. We want to have the show. And uh, Producer Supreme texted us uh, last week and said, we have Robert Blackwell. So we're excited to have you. Yes. So anyway... um, just to uh, catch everybody up on a little bit of cowboy news uh, over the weekend, or actually it was Friday, I think when everybody else had off, we had a long weekend. Uh, Mike Zimmer, who's back as the Cowboys defensive coordinator, uh, they rounded out the defensive staff, uh, hiring one familiar name, Greg Ellis, as uh, assistant defensive line coach in charge of defensive ends. Uh, Paul Gunter is going to be the defensive run game coordinator or former defensive coordinator for Cincinnati and the Raiders. And he's uh, been coaching for 20 years and had been with Mike in Cincinnati and Minnesota. And then former NFL player, 17 years, Jeff Zagonia, Uh, has come in, and he will be the defensive line coach, and he had done that as an assistant or a head defensive line coach, last with the Washington Commanders. So uh, the Cowboys needed to complete their staff. Uh, And as a matter of fact, I ran into Greg Ellis on Friday. Uh, he was uh, very happy to be here, and I'm sure Good. you remember. Did you turn his card in in 1998? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> I was representative for the draft from 1988 until the COVID year, so 32 years. 32 I the, years. I went to the draft, filled out the cards, turned them in. And you were, and and what people don't understand a lot about the draft is the Cowboys draft. The the, the whole organization is here. Uh, and in the days, I guess, before, um, I don't know when it would have started, but Robert would be the uh, cowboy representative at the draft. They would call him on the hotline phone, and he would uh, take the card up to the commissioner. If well, I you really don't. It's a misnomer. You don't take the card anywhere. <laughs> you, you fill out the card, and they have representatives there, and they'll take it. And then they run to the next table and tell whoever's next who you took before it's announced. Right. Because as soon as your card goes in, the clock starts for them. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and they may wait three or four minutes before they announce. So you didn't have to run up there no, you don't the run card it. breathlessly? You don't, you don't run anywhere. One, one time we did give them the card and snatch it back 
you know, you're not supposed to do that, but we did snatch it back because they wanted to change. And then one year, wasn't it uh, late or close to being late? Uh, one year was where time ran out. When was that? I think it was when we wound up taking Roy Williams. Because so, they were Oklahoma. trading. We were trying to do something, and time ran out. And as soon as they say Dallas passes, every cameraman in the area is standing right in front of your table <laughs> with a lens in your face, and you're just standing, staring at them. <laughs> you know, and but we didn't. I mean, nobody jumped ahead of us. We, right. we got the pick in. Yeah, yeah. Really no big but deal. that was a close call. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But my first three drafts: uh, Mike Urban, Troy Eggman, and Emmett Fist. Wow. Yeah. You what did well, right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Robert. So I was listening to your podcast yesterday, just kind of getting prepared to talk to you today. So you did forty seasons, eight hundred and thirty-five games that you shot. Right. How did you keep track of all that? That's a long time. You just add it up. You added it up? Did Told you have to go back and get the media guide and you add it up? So 81 was your 81 first was my first season. season, and I didn't miss a game until I had tested positive for COVID, wasn't really sick, and was really over it in that 2020 season. But there was like three or four of us uh, that week tested positive, and they didn't want us to go the following week. And I knew I was going to retire at the end of the season, so I said, whatever. So it was like maybe 830 consecutive games. My, a lot of Cowboys games. my consecutive streak ended when I had a foot infection yeah. in 2018, and I had spent a week in the hospital. Oh boy! And they let me off on out on Friday, and the opener was on Sunday, and it was an away game. And I was thinking, Nah, I probably yeah. shouldn't go to this. Yeah. Do you have your all your games counted up? Uh, I had done every one from '89 on until that. Uh, 2018 se season opener yeah yeah uh, regular season mm -hmm. and uh, playoffs and uh, so Robert and I and there's not many left here uh, would have been with every head coach right I didn't wasn't here when Clint Murkison was here Murkison was still the owner, so yes. every owner and every GM. Right. He was he when I first started, he was starting to become ill. He was on a cane, then he went to a walker in a wheelchair pretty fast. You know, yes, he was the owner when I started. I was hired. Texram hired me to be the assistant in the coaching film department with 16 millimeter film. Right. And my boss was Bob Friedman at the time, and uh, we shot 16 millimeter film. We had a processor in the basement at 6116 North Central down there. And uh, people asked, where's your office? I said, we go in the parking garage underneath, walk in the doors and go past where they keep the trash, <laughs> turn to the left, and we're down, we're down there. It was, it was a little, uh, nice, nice little office. We had a great machine, but right. did that for five years, and then we switched over to videotape and kind of slowly then morphed into a combination of tape and digital, and now it's all digital. So when the, the faci uh, practice facility was at Forrest and Abrams. You weren't there. Your office was at the... Well, everybody Everybody was at... The coaches and everybody was at uh, Central. Central. Central and right. Yale. Yeah. I think SMU owns the building now. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and we would drive seven and a half miles to practice, come back, process the film. And if the coaches weren't upstairs, if they were upstairs back in their offices, I'd take them up there. If they weren't, I would drive. I lived kind of over by the practice field. I would drive and had to code to the door, and I would just set the film inside the door. So when they came in the next morning, was what there. was what was the process of the film then versus how simple it is now to just well, get every, everything on a computer. everything back then was mechanical. Mm -hmm. The film mechanically went through the camera. It mechanically went through the processor. You rolled it up on a reel, and and what you had, it was very expensive to make a copy of film. So whatever you shot, you had one copy, and the coaches had to share. You know, I'll take this, you take that. When you're done, give it to me. So they shared back then. They don't share anymore. You know. So if I remember correctly, you guys, after games, had to process it. And then were you responsible for shipping it to the yeah, next back, opponent? Back then, back then, you traded your game with your next two opponents. So we had to process the film and then break it down and then make two or three copies of that film. So it took, after a game, after we got back to the office, it took five hours to get all that done. So it, it took a while. Even and the then, road games? Even road games. Well, and you then went, you just mail it you to went, the team? You, well, no, you don't mail back then. <laughs> you had to you put it in a, a fiber film box, yeah. and I would take it to the airport. And I would either go to Delta Dash or American Airlines Priority Parcel or whatever, and we would put it on a flight 
to that city, and they had theirs coming on a flight to us. And you had to go to the airport to pick it up? <laughs> well, a lot of times I would go to the airport, drop it off, and say, well, their, their plane's going to land in two hours, and I'd just stay there. <laughs> wow. You know, why would I drive all the way back from DFW back down to Central and all the way back? Right. You know? And it was a funny story. Bob, my boss, and, and Nate Fine, who was the original film guy forever at the Redskins, they did not like each other. And we would ship the film to Dulles and tell him it's going to National. And he, <laughs> he, would, he would call and say, where's the film? we go, oh, it went to National, sorry. And then he would tell us it's on a flight, and it's not on that flight. It's on the one after that. Oh you know? my so, gosh. so they were always playing games with each other. And, by the way, I don't know if you know, but Dulles and National were not close no, to each other. No, they're not. No. It no. was at least an hour right. drive. Yeah. And their offices are close to Dulles. Right, right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right, because I remember going there to do some stuff uh, at their practice facility, and it was real close to Dulles. Mm -hmm. So Dulles, if I remember, was north uh, of the capital. You got me. National was almost in wash it was in washington dc it's almost by the yeah. mall it's, yeah. it's just at the right on the river yeah so i mean when you fly in to national you came over the potomac uh, right. uh you have to make that turn if you're coming the wrong way yeah, yeah you're down like really low and then all of a sudden and we knew it and people were going well, better hold on right and you just make a right turn like crazy and boom you're on the runway so uh talking about developing film so explain to everybody uh, your process once you got to Valley Ranch because that ended up uh, Savannah. Uh, part of that mm -hmm. process was our original office for uh, the website. So well, what happened though when we moved, we actually took the processor to Valley Ranch, built the really nice state-of-the-art lab, used it one year, and that was it. That Only was one it. year. One year. One year we went to Videotech. Wow. If we had known all that was going to happen, we could have left it down on Central and gone down there, processed, and just brought it back out. So our office, it was there was two levels. Mm -hmm. There was an upstairs and a downstairs. Right? Was the downstairs? Oh, you talking about that little space we gave you yeah. back in the back? Yeah. Well, what that was, you when you have the processor, you have to have the the chemicals have to be replenished while it's running, and you trickle that through a little meter little gauges and you, you adjust how fast the, the replenisher is going in but we had these 50 gallon drums in the upstairs area of that and so gravity just fed it down and then underneath where you walk down underneath there was where we kept the, the they were called cubes of the developer that you had to mix up to put in there so those that was just the storage but once we vacated that area yeah you guys took that over it was a nice little area underneath right then you went upstairs it was it was a cool little area so the upstairs had these tubes right that right. were yep. trickling the chemicals down oh, below wow. yeah. so our office was upstairs we had three desks up there and then downstairs was it considered the black the dark room or no that was just where we stored oh that was the storage, storage spot yeah, yeah okay it was just a and that turned into brad sham's office uh, <laughs> yeah and then our first office to do podcasts from Oh, really? Uh, back in the day. Okay. And there was no windows. It was just... Oh, no. It, it was all tile. Just a dark right. room. And then they put, to make the sound yeah. better, yeah. they put carpet on the Originally, on it was all walls. just gray tile. Yeah. That's all it was. Yeah, and you shut the door, and there were times when we'd come back from away games, and it'd be late, and I think our first, uh, my first radio hit was at like 8 or 8.30, mm -hmm. and, and so we'd get back from the east coast or the west coast three or four in the morning i just go down there and sleep yeah uh that was my you gotta do what you gotta do right yeah, yeah. but yeah. that yeah it was pretty spartan yeah. back then right yeah it was as it yeah. compared to what it turned oh, out please yeah yeah uh, i mean the funny thing about the forest lane facility if you walked in the door you kind of turned to the right and it was all the lockers and they were just wooden and they weren't very wide they were really crammed in there and then you, you went up the hall a little bit, and there was a very small training room. And you went up a little bit farther, and Buck Buchanan had his equipment area. Tiny. I don't know how he did it. Tiny. But if you went to the left, there was what they call the meeting rooms. But they were just those accordion doors that magnet <laughs> magnet together. So if you were in there talking, then the person in the next room could hear you talking. You know, there was no—so it was crazy. How, that's all they had. And that whole building— the entire building would fit inside the locker room at Valley Ranch. That's how big Valley Ranch right? was. Right, yeah, 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 absolutely. Because yeah. I remember the 
uh, team meeting room at at the practice facility, they were sitting in those elementary school desks, oh. like you know the one where you kind of come in from oh, the side, where it's kind of like yeah. hooked together. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. big old two hundred and fifty pound guys yeah. sitting in them little desks. Oh my well, gosh. back when I started, if you were two sixty five, you were too big to be an offensive right. lineman. Right. Right. You know, they would go, oh, you're too big. That's why when Nate got there, it was uh, right. it, it was a uh, revelation because Tom didn't want a 300-pound offensive lineman. Right. I remember the day he came. He, when we first saw him, it was at training camp. Training camp at Thousand, Thousand Oaks, yeah. I remember they were, they were, I think it was the weightlifting period. And so Randy White's over lifting weights, and they drive up. You know, he had to drive over to the practice field. Or right. You could walk. but Yeah. And he got out. They were talking to him, and Randy just stopped and was looking at him. You know, just looking at me, went over, how much do you weigh? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Randy had a lot to do with them keeping Nate because uh, when they finally got on the practice field, uh, he told the coaches, hey, this this guy's got something, even though he's, he's, you know, got nicknamed the kitchen right away, uh, that that he had something. But, yeah, uh, what, 260 might have been? Tom yeah. Rafferty. And yeah, that was considered guys. large yeah. in the day. Now it's a linebacker. Um, so uh, at the old practice facility, did you have a tower to, to go up and We video? had a – it was only – it wasn't even 100 yards. Right. It was maybe 40 – Before the to- motel had the, got there? Yeah, you had the building, and it had that old dilapidated painted cowboy blue fence around a metal fence. And at the far end, when you walked outside, we had a scaffold. That you walked up. Oh, it, and it was wasn't even. It wasn't even more than 25, 30 feet high. Today, forty is like a minimum. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It was low, and they shot one camera. Is all they shot today? I think when I left, we were shooting ten. Right. Wow. Um, so uh, when I when I came, we had a, a handheld uh, sixty millimeter camera, and Coach Stallings. I had all those great guys when I first came. Coach Stallings had me come, and I would shoot the DB one on one from the ground. Like I'd be behind the wide receiver, and he'd go out, and I'd shoot that. So that was the first second camera we ever shot. Yeah. How did you uh, ever get into the video part of football? Well, I have a degree in cinematography and photography uh, from Stephen F. Austin. And while I was in college, I actually produced a film for U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. I took a year off school because one of the professors that I was friends with got me in, into that. And... Uh, and produced that film for Fish and Wildlife Service, and through the grant, had a 16-millimeter camera. And I did another film in the summer of 76 with one of the professors. Uh, very interesting. We traveled the western United States, went to every major Indian reservation archaeological site in the, in the U.S. western. Oh, wow. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable what we did. But anyway, and uh, so I came back to Dallas after I graduated, and my professor down there, who I still talk to today, uh, he hooked me up with another guy who was a little older than me, and we shared a studio space in Snyder Plaza and just did product stuff and, you know, still photography. And uh, I had that, and I thought, well, I have this camera. I need to do something with it. So I uh, called Joe Boring. Remember Joe? No. He was a scout. He, yes. He oh, yes, scouting. yes, yes. Joe yes. Boring? Yeah. Still with us. He was, he, was the la- he was a junction boy. And he was the last four-sport letterman at Texas A&M. Oh, wow. And he was there with— He was the head coach at Garland at that time. Right. So I called Joe, and I said, who films your games? What's the deal with that? And I told the story on the podcast in episode one. And he said, well, one company has the contract to do almost every high school in DFW area. It was called Educational Enterprises, and it was down off Dragon Street by Industrial. The fellow that owned it was named Jake Milton. So I got on the phone. I called Jake. Explained to him the situation. He goes, yeah, let me come out. I'll, I'll drive out where your office is, and we'll, we'll talk about it. So he comes out, and we talk, and he goes, I could really use uh, use you to do that. you know, Because I had my own camera and, and knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started shooting high school games, and he said, I just got the contract to shoot SMU football and basketball. So you can do that. So I shot all the years Dickerson and James were at SMU. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was my first football was to doing that. Texas Stadium. They should, they played at Texas Stadium. So through that, there was a gentleman named Roland Rainey, who he actually runs the Cotton Bowl now. Uh, yeah, I guess he still does. Uh, he was the facilities director at SMU. And when I didn't have anything going on at Snyder Plaza, which is right next to SMU, I'd go over to Holmby Stadium and hang out with those guys and just, you know, talk. 
And one day he's, and he shot, Roland actually shot, and we shot like, I think we shot three or four cameras at SMU game. And one day I'm sitting there, he goes, hey, I'm going over to the Cowboy office, do you want to go? And I said, sure. So I got in the car, we drove over there, we walked down the basement. He goes, and doing something with Mr. Friedman, and uh, Bob, how you doing? Nice to meet you, and we left. A year later, Jerry Zimmerman, who was one of the part-time camera guys, was going to go start going to work for NFL Films. And Bob calls Roland and goes, I need a guy. I need somebody. He goes, well, call Robert. He can do it. So he called me. I went over and talked to him. And the rest is history. Shot the 81 <laughs> season. And at the end of the year, he goes, do you want to help me with the quality control editing at the end of the year? And I go, sure. So that was it. Home and away games? I've never made a resume in my life. Really? Yeah. Wow. Home and away games? Oh, every game. When you first started? Every game. Every game. Every game. So you yep. were there for the catch? That was my first year. Practices My first as year well. was the catch when we lost the championship game in San Francisco. Right. So the when we beat them about ten years later, that was payback for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty cool. All right, we'll take a break here on mixed shots. It was our uh, special guest Robert Blackwell, the Cowboys' uh, former director of video, and. Savannah and I will continue to hold down the fort here yes, we uh, will. on Mix Shots. I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And they snap at the Prescott who looks right. It's not there. He escapes left. He'll run for a first down. Just like football, when it comes to crypto, it's important to have a team you can trust. With blockchain.com, I know I'm in good hands. Since 2011, they've been trusted by millions around the world to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrency. Prescott's going to run this himself. Run it up the middle, and he scores. Whether you're new to crypto or an active trader, they've got you covered. What are you waiting for? Get started at blockchain.com. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like... Well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola. A journey to Foodopia. Burgers. Better with Pepsi. That's what I like. The Medal of Honor is our country's highest military award for valor in combat. More than 40 million individuals have served in the armed forces since the Civil War. Fewer than 4,000 have received the Medal of Honor. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a place to preserve these legacies and inspire America. It's being built right next door to the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. Help us honor our country's greatest heroes. Learn more and get involved at mohmuseum.org. Did you know that responding to one spam call can lead to more? Or that the IRS would never ask for your social security number on the phone? Beat scammers at their own game by subscribing to AARP Fraud Watch Network alerts and texts. At aarp.org slash beatscammerstx, you can sign up to receive information that helps you recognize and avoid the latest scams. That's aarp.org slash beatscammerstx. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back, back to mixed shots. K-Post Roofing and Waterproofing, the official roofer of the Dallas Cowboys. As we continue here on Mick Shots, that's Savannah, I'm Mickey, and Robert Blackwell's our special guest since Bill Jones decided that going to spring training is more important than Clearly. doing Mick Shots on a, <laughs> a Tuesday here after the Monday holiday. And yeah, you mentioned the 1981 game. And that helps me transition to yesterday at the uh, Davy O'Brien Award in uh, Fort Worth at the Fort Worth Worth Athletic Club. Uh, They also not only honored uh, LSU quarterback Heisman Trophy winner Jaden Daniels as the winner Mm -hmm. of the Davy O'Brien Award, every year they pick a collegiate quarterback that stood out 
and give him a Legends Award. And the Legends Award went to Danny White. Oh, wow. How about that? Uh, and I uh, was fortunate enough to be there. And uh, it was good hooking up with uh, Danny. Uh, they give him that really nice trophy. It's a bust of Davy O'Brien and then a plaque on the bottom on the stand with your name and uh, the year you're inducted mm -hmm. into it. And uh, Danny was in town, and we had a great conversation. Uh, you know, he still does uh, the Compass radio right. broadcast yep. uh, analyst, and he's been doing it for about, I don't know, eight years, maybe, something like that. Uh, but anyway, so... I have, I have a story about that. When we went to play the preseason game in Hawaii yeah, that year, yeah. that game was my 800th consecutive game. Really? And so we're on the sideline, and he was there doing, you know, getting, doing pregame stuff. And I told him, I go, this is my 800th consecutive game. He goes, really? And I go, yes, and you were quarterback at number one. Oh, my gosh. And oh, he, right. The, the, he, so he goes, the 81. Yeah, it made him feel really, really yeah, old. What did right? he say? He just went, you got to be kidding me. I said, no, 81. And he was, he was pretty funny because it's a, a black tie affair. And so when he uh, – was doing the press conference he goes yeah he goes uh i had to pull this thing out of mothballs because i figured no more awards for me no more black tie affairs and he goes i i still had my tux from back <laughs> in the day uh, and i think people uh forget uh because you know he ends up talking about uh, he went to three led the cowboys so he took over for roger staubach Mm -hmm. Staubach retired after the 79 season. Danny uh, became the starting quarterback in 80 and took him to three consecutive uh, NFC title games. Uh, they lost them, so mm -hmm. they never got to the Super Bowl. Uh, and everybody kind of remembers him as, well, he couldn't get us to the Super Bowl. And it's kind of ironic now because if the Cowboys went to three consecutive NFC title games today, that would be a big deal. Absolutely. Right? Back then it was, ah, oh, you back, can't get back us Back then to it was this. only one measuring stick. Right? That was it. And uh, and so that was the 81 game, the NFC title game, the catch game mm -hmm. right. uh, with Everson, by yeah, the way. Yeah, a funny story about that. Uh, we shot two end zone cameras back then. Jack Murray, who worked at Channel I remember, 8. yeah, worked Jack. Worked at Channel 8 as a, as a sports film guy. He would shoot games with us. He'd get travel. I remember road. that. So we went to that. We had played them earlier in the year, right in the regular season. I don't remember where we were at that point. But for the championship game, we shot out of a suite on that lower ring level. At Candlestick, Candlestick Park, right? And they had fans in there. They'd sold the seats. <laughs> so San Francisco fans. They're in there throwing, yelling, screaming, throwing popcorn and everything. We're trying to shoot the game. It was, it was crazy. So on your show... You had talked about the process of after a game and getting the team the footage. What was the process back um, in the day like for being able to shoot the game, process the film, and then shoot it out to all the players? Well, you didn't shoot it out to all the players. Exactly. There was there was maybe two copies of the game, and it was the real it was a reel of offense, a reel of defense, and a reel of special teams, and that was it. There's and you nothing. would edit everything, they want, correct? They, they, you get no, it all together? No, well, you edited the games you received from the other people. You didn't really edit your stuff till the end of the year. The coaches would take the complete copy of the game, play one to the last play, and they would put it on the projector, and that's what they would show. You know, There was no really no pull these out, pull it out. Now, when we got opponents' film, you couldn't cut up their film because that belonged to them. Mm -hmm. So we had to make like a couple of copies process those and then we would have a we'd sit down and edit we'd have 11 reels here put the film on look at the the viewer put it in the viewer and if it was a first and 10 put on the first and 10 reel it was second six second or two to three second six four so you had all these different categories all the way down to goal line and you first play first and 10 second and six you put on the reel and when you got didn't you do the second game when you did that you would take those 11 reels put some leader on the front and take them upstairs and that's what they would watch that's all they had now, would you say Coach's video now is more demanding based on how the NFL is these it, days? It's just gotten crazy with data. I think that's the biggest deal. PFF data, everything, it's all data-driven. You know, the video is just the video. And, you know, people talk about nowadays about making cut-ups, and uh, you don't really make a cut-up. You make a computer file 
that tells the computer to play this play first, then play this play, and they're all in the server, and it's not making anything. It's just playing those plays out in the mm -hmm. order you tell them to play it. Yeah. So when when did you guys transition? What year did things start well, at, changing? Well, in 86, the league went videotape. Okay. And that was the year we went to London to play. Right. And the preseason game. The mm -hmm. thing I remember about that, that's when the verdict came down. Yes. You know, and and everybody, we were over there. When the verdict came down, we were in London. And Mr. Schramm, you know, he's all nervous about it. And it comes down, they go, it's the verdict. We lost. And he goes, what? He goes, yeah, they awarded them $1. You know, Were you in the hospitality room when that phone call came in? I may have been, yeah. What happened? Um, so we're in this hospitality room, and uh, the commissioner, Pete Roselle, calls to get text to tell him what Robert just said. Yeah, we lost, and they awarded him $1. Uh, it was a lawsuit by the USFL, and uh, they were hoping to make some money mm -hmm. out of it. And so the judge says, yeah, they're right, but the— the punishment's going to be the NFL owes them $1, right? <laughs> yeah. So Tex is on, he's on the phone uh, with uh, Roselle, and we happened to be in the in, at that time, and we weren't prepared to write anything, so we started scratching notes on napkins, right? And, uh, and, and, and Tex is going, oh, this is so great, and he's going on and on, and he's real loud. Yeah. And... Uh, no, he was never loud. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so, Pete, I love you. Yeah, this is the best thing. And finally, when he when he hung up, uh, Tex's wife, Marty, uh, she goes, hey, Tex, if we open the windows, the queen can hear you. <laughs> it was, he was he was just celebrating. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, and that was before the game, yep, right? Yep, yeah. before the game. That was uh, that was uh, amazing. So so that was when you guys started with no, yeah eighty six eighty six and we didn't know we didn't know what to do. We had cases made these really nice cases made for every piece of equipment we had, and we took them we took the whole thing to London, and you had to make a carnet as you still do, which lists every piece of equipment where it was manufactured, what the value is had to be on that sheet you every were going single overseas, thing you I took. remember that yes, so when we landed. And Buck, Buck Buchanan, the equipment guy, had to do the same thing with everything he took. So when we landed, Buck and I went to customs, and everybody else takes off. We were there, I don't know how long, like three, four, five hours. And they would make him open a, a player bag and look at everything that's in it. You know, because they, I, I don't know what the, I guess they're, don't you bring things in, you know. But right. Especially mm -hmm. the electronic stuff we had, you know, because it was, it was worth a lot of money. It could be used anywhere, you know. So that that was crazy. So for you, working all these years, what would you say was your favorite time of year? Draft, you've done so much at the drafts every single year. Training camp, in season, what what was your kind of favorite portion of the year? I guess really your your favorite anybody's favorite portion would be if you're in the playoffs. You know, just because. And I say this a thousand times on my podcast: we're not the only people that work hard. We're not the only people that work long hours. We're not the only people to do this. I'm just telling you the stories yeah. of what it's like. Because I have people that started in the 60s and 70s on my show, telling, telling what it was like back then. So, but just, you start the season, and, and the NFL is really funny. It doesn't matter how you end, everything's renewed in July. Everybody has a chance, you mm -hmm. know. Some people really don't, but they don't realize it, you know. <laughs> But you go through that and you go through training camp. We used to go to training camp. I was there seven weeks in Thousand Oaks. One week to set up, and we were there six weeks. I can tell you a little bit about that earlier, but or later. But you go through the season, and the season is like monotonous. You, it's like Groundhog Day. You know, you know, every Monday, you know what you're doing. Tuesday, we're doing this. Wednesday, we're doing this. Thursday, we're doing this. And you do all that. And once you make the playoffs, then that's kind of a reward, you know, for all that hard work. And you feel bad for the guys that don't, but that that's the best time of year is the playoffs because even though it's sudden death you're still it's it's a reward for all the work you've done yeah so when you got there they made the playoffs in 81 made them in 82 83 got eliminated early right. by the rams and then went in the hole and then 84 is when i showed up and that was the first year they didn't qualify for the playoffs since 1965 they started in 66 and made the playoffs 
uh, or winning seasons, I winning should say. Seasons, they yeah. missed the playoffs in 74, but all the other years in between, they were in the playoffs. Right. And, well, the league wasn't very big back then either. Right. Fewer teams. Yes. Uh, and other teams weren't. The, the Cowboys were kind of ahead of their time back in the early 80s when it the draft and things like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, when, before I started going to the draft in 88, and uh, everybody, when I started working, there might have been 25 people you know, working. And when the draft would come, everyone would go into scouting, and everyone had a job to do during the draft. And that those years, the draft went around the clock. Right, I it remember. It didn't stop. So we're there. And everybody talks about the computer and all that stuff. I never saw that. Uh, there was all the books, walls of books with written reports. And when somebody would get drafted, you had to go get his book, pull his part of the book out, put it in a folder, fill out this sheet, tear that off, give that to this person. It went around the table, and then mm-hmm. they put it with where whatever team drafted him. It was very mechanical. There wasn't. Yeah. I don't. I don't think there was a computer involved in what we were doing there. Did you have a favorite draft? No. Uh, it's just the the first. I went in '88, and then when. 89 came and Jerry bought the team. Uh, Stephen and Charlotte were with me at the draft just to see. And I think they became bored very fast (laughs) because I I described being at the draft as hours and hours of sheer boredom interrupted by a few seconds of terror when you're on the clock. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you're just sitting. Most of the day you're just sitting there, you know. And back then. It was, it was, well, at one point it was 17 rounds before right. it went to well, 12. Luckily, when I started was the first, was when they started making it two days. Right, and right. I didn't have to go around the clock. But what, what's funny is you're, you're, you're sitting there and it's just all this is going on and you, you just have to observe. And, and it was, we were in a ballroom, Marriott Marquis on the sixth floor. There might have been up in the balcony 100 people. When, when I first started, that was it. Yeah. You know, and now it's, it's, it's not, it's a TV thing. Because they didn't let every Tom, Dick, and Harry in to watch, No, right? no, no. It's it kind of like, kinda like the, the combine. Yeah. The combine was this big secret thing. And we were, we had to go shoot the combine every year. It's a big secret thing. You couldn't get in. You couldn't get in. Now they're selling seats. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> they figured out they could make a buck. So how much interaction would you have uh, with the players? When the season started or whatever. No, all the time. You're with them all the time. Yeah? Yeah. Do you have a favorite one? No, we, we would. Uh, I really like Russell Maryland. I still talk to him. Tony Tolbert. I still go to lunch with Tony uh-huh. uh, every once in a while. But uh, And I, I would, uh, when I was working, I would help Troy out with stuff for his broadcast so he could look. So, you know, stay in touch with him. Right. You know, and I see Mike every now and then, Mike Irvin. But uh, Randy White, I live in Prosper. Randy White lives out there. I run into him every now and then. So is he still yeah, in his, his yeah, still same place? Same place. Yeah. That uh, <laughs> yeah. we went and did an interview with him uh, one year. It must have been, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. And uh, he has cattle. You know, he's got, he's kind of, he, he's got all this land, but everything's growing up around his place. Well, he has a, he's like two houses. Yes. And he has some property, a few acres, and next door to him is this mansion owned by Tory Hunter. Oh, is that who? It's huge. Right? Yeah, at Tory Hunter. The baseball player, yeah, baseball right? Yeah, baseball player. Yeah. And I remember one year he the, the the cattle were all over the place and on the back side of his land mm-hmm. is this it's a huge another huge mansion, right? And I said those people should have to pay for the atmosphere, right? right. Cuz it's free, right? They get and to it's see all, it's all Randy's, yeah. <laughs> and 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 he was talking about the cattle and and I said, "Well, can can you get them over here so we can get a shot with mm-hmm. you and, and the cattle in the background?" He goes, "Oh yeah, hang on." So he goes in the other barn or whatever it was, and he gets some sort of treat that the cattles love. He throws it out there, and here comes it, – it's a stampede to get to the fence where we were standing because they got their treats, right? But it's surrounded at that time. They were getting ready to build, a like, 200 homes across the street or something. Right. I, I well, don't, it's all built up. They yeah. all did it now, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, Randy would be a favorite of uh, everybody's. Okay, let's take our second, last break here on Mix Shots on DallasCowboys.com, brought to you by Miller Lite. 
The Medal of Honor is our country's highest military award for valor in combat. More than 40 million individuals have served in the armed forces since the Civil War. Fewer than 4,000 have received the Medal of Honor. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a place to preserve these legacies and inspire America. It's being built right next door to the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. Help us honor our country's greatest heroes. Learn more and get involved at mohmuseum.org. Cowboys football and Miller Lite. What a pairing. Can cracks a kickoff. Tailgates going way past postgame. Sunday night overtimes followed by Monday morning swagger. Brisket in the smoker. Miller Lite in the cooler. America's team playing America's greatest sport. Miller Lite, the only beer of the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys football tastes like Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2023 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Did you know that responding to one spam call can lead to more? Or that the IRS would never ask for your social security number on the phone? Beat scammers at their own game by subscribing to AARP Fraud Watch Network alerts and texts. At aarp.org slash beatscammerstx, you can sign up to receive information that helps you recognize and avoid the latest scams. That's aarp.org slash beatscammerstx. You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip. With its perfect cheese to sour cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans, it's a sip away from perfection. That's what we're looking for. Add a delicious, refreshing Pepsi and we've achieved absolute nacho nirvana. Because while you can pile those nachos high with every spicy, cheesy, savory topping, there's no topping a cool Pepsi finish. Nachos, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To mixed shots. Dallas Cowboys game time powered by Lenovo, the official gaming platform and community of the Dallas Cowboys. Sign up now to compete in the Fortnite for a chance to win a VIP experience at the 2024 Dallas Cowboys draft party. Qualifiers begin on February 24th and run through the 28th. Learn more and register at Dallas Cowboys game time. Dot com. Robert, I want to talk about your podcast for a minute, Real Football Stories. What inspired you to begin this podcast? Well, um, I'm really good friends with uh, uh, Mike Perkins, who is uh, he's the video guy at the, at the Jaguars. His father's Ray Perkins. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Coached the Giants, played for Bear Bryant, coached Alabama. And we were just talking. He's, he's, he's younger. He's in his 50s. And we were just talking that we need to – Every, well, let me back up. Every year, uh, started a few years ago, we start ha- we have a reunion every year that we try to get all the old guys to come to in Jacksonville. He hosts it. The Jaguars host it. We go in the owner's suite, have lunch. Do, we do all this stuff. It's a two-day, three-day deal. And we were talking that, that all these guys are here, and we're all telling stories. We said, we need to document this, you know, before it's gone. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. these are guys that were from the 60s, 70s, you know, have all these stories. So we said, we need to do a podcast. So he's kind of my silent partner in the background and, and – I uh, just wanted to document all these guys before their stories are gone, you know, because you know, there's football fanatics everywhere. You know, like I have listeners in 26 different countries, you know, around the world. It, it was amazing, you know. But my first guest, uh, the first episode was uh, me and, and uh, Frito was my producer to start right. with. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. uh, Mark tra- Friedman. Tragically passed away in October. And uh, uh, so the first was about me talking, but my first guest was Al Trimmel. Al was 85 at the time, and he was the original film guy hired by Vince Lombardi at the Packers in 64, 63, 64. So he came on, and we talked about the Ice Bowl. He was at the Ice Bowl, Super Bowl One, Super Bowl Two. So it just kind of went from there, and we went to a round table that's kind of out of control. We had, I had six guys, and we just everybody's just telling stories and ragging <laughs> on each other, and we talk about the combine, we talk about the draft because – we all went to the draft. I went to the draft. I was a representative for 32 years. 
and all of us. There was about maybe 10 or 12 video guys that went to the draft. I guess we were the responsible people. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, and uh, and one podcast that I really like is I talked to uh, Jim Pons, who was the started with the, was the original film guy with the Jets. He started in their mailroom at the Jets in 72 or, or whenever it was. And then they needed somebody to want to hire an in-house film guy because every back then all the teams contracted the film work out, you know. So they wanted to bring it in. So they they hired, he said I can do it. So they hired him. And uh, the interesting story about him: we he hired John Sider, which was a friend of his, a few years later to be an assistant. They were both rock and rollers. Uh, Jim Pons was would played with the Turtles from '67 to '70, and he played with Frank Zappa. He, they toured. They toured with the Doors, and so we did a we did a football. We did a Jets podcast, and then we did a rock and roll podcast. Because uh-huh. John Sider, so his fun. assistant, was a drummer for Spanky and Our Gang. Then he was the drummer for the Turtles for a while, and then he went with another band. So we told rock and roll stories for an episode. It was really good. So you need to get a hold of the Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame. It said that stuff to him. <laughs> yeah. Or the Pro Football Hall of Fame to. Uh, I mean, I'm sure the history of, of the video stuff would be fascinating uh, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, they just uh, they just included uh, video or film or video people, equipment people, uh, PR and trainers in the uh, award of excellence at the Hall of Fame. So we had four or five people go in last year. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't yeah. realize yeah. that. Yeah. But Buchanan went in last year. And so is there a wing for there's a, stuff? Right outside the theater, there's a big award of excellence area, and right. they put your name there. Huh. So, so well, we, <laughs> we had five guys go in, two of them posthumously. and Well, one couldn't make it. Al went in for the Packers. Right. He just couldn't travel. He was 87 now. Right. And Mickey Dugich, who was the original film guy in the NFL for the Rams, uh, nicest guy in the world, uh, he went in posthumously. He's uh, He passed away several years ago. So you had never done anything like this, like podcast stuff? No. Radio? No. TV? <laughs> no. It's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> no, it's the greatest thing in the world. You get paid to talk, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just give, give your opinion. It's like the, the thing about my podcast is if you go to sports podcasts, I'm not going to say all of them, but 95% of them are people that never did anything. Never did. They just like to talk, and they want you to hear their opinion. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, that's not what I do. I'm going to let you talk to people who were there, who did right. it for 30, 40 years. You know, and they're going to tell you what it was like back then. Jim Pons, again with the Jets, four coaches when he started. That's all they had, four coaches. You know, it's amazing. Well, well, if you ever go back and look at the media guides from the uh, – early 60s the, Cowboys didn't have that many, many assistant coaches when right I, when I started in 81 there might have there's probably maybe 10 right maybe that included Irma Allen you know he was a the forerunner of a quality control right guy. yeah you know and uh, not very many but I when I started Ernie Stockner Jim Myers uh, Jerry Tubbs uh, Gene Stallings you know all those guys you know and I I, I tell the story all those old guys, when we were in Thousand Oaks at training camp, they would go to this place called the Velvet Turtle. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Had a bar. Yes. And every once in a while, Dick Nolan and Ernie would say, come on, you're going with us tonight. And they would go. <laughs> I wasn't young. I was in my early 30s. But they would take me, and they would just sit there and drink and just tell these stories. Yeah. You know, about, and it was just amazing. Which know? was back in the day, uh, I'm going to forget the name of the place. Tex used to go out all the time with the writers. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The black something, um, like you had Velvet Turtle. I don't know if it was the Black Bear or whatever. Yeah. It was the bar, and if you were out at night, you always wanted to go there because Tex would be there right. holding court and basically <laughs> arguing with the writers who was right and who was wrong. Uh, it's uh, different days, right? I'll tell you a story I haven't told on the podcast. In the dorm at uh, Thousand Oaks, right, Caneo Hall. Yeah, we were in. There. I was in the dorm with the coaches. And it was all in one dorm. My dorm was here. I was. I roomed with uh, Bob, my boss, and Al Levan, right, the running back coach. But I, so I had a bed up kind of by the door. There one night late, and I hear these two guys arguing outside, and they're like yelling at each other. And I figure out it's Tex Schramm and Jim Dent. 
Oh, gosh. And they were just going at it. And I was like, oh, my God. So I'm kind of standing by the door thinking, because his Texas, Texas door was right across the hall from mine. So I think, well, I'm just going to sit there. If it comes physical, I'm going to have to open the door and go out there. And so it never. they kept yelling. Finally, they calmed down and went in, and he left. And I told that story to Russ Russell, and who did the Cowboy Weekly. He, oh, he yeah. more or less invented the Cowboy Weekly newsletter. I told that to him years and years ago, and he said, I was standing next to Tex. I was about to grab Jim. Oh, I was there. Were you? <laughs> it was 86, Yeah. and they were g- going to sign Herschel Walker. And uh, I was standing there, and we were uh, talking to Tex, and Jim thought that Herschel Walker was in Tex's office. So we were in the, lo- the lobby area, right. and yep. then Tex had that office there yep. and his bedroom. Right. And and Jim goes, well, I'm going in there. You got Herschel Walker in there, and yeah, I, I got nothing, nothing. And uh, and uh, uh, the weekly guy, uh, he's standing there, and he goes, he finally broke him up. He had to step in between. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, so the next morning, uh, in the lobby area of that dorm. They had, like, breakfast stuff, mm-hmm. and the media could go in there and whatever. So we're in there first thing in the morning, and uh, Tex walks in, and he goes, Hey, Jim, you want to come into my office now? <laughs> just like that, right? And it was like oh, bygones or bygones. He texts with just the next day, everything's yeah. back to normal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, but they, were, they, they almost came to blows. You're exactly right. Yeah. It was... Uh, it was amazing. Well, this has been a fun, fun yes. uh, day for us, uh, and I appreciate, Robert, you coming in, and uh, we were able to do this. And, again, uh, let them know how to find uh, Real Sports. It's Real uh, Real Football Stories is the name of the podcast, and Real is spelled R-E-E-L, like a reel of film, and it's on Amazon, Spotify, Apple, all the podcast uh, platforms. Okay. Well, that sounds like fun, and uh, we may have something else we need to listen to, right? I know. It's been a pleasure, Robert. Thanks Thank for being for with on. us, Robert. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And hopefully we have our gang back together next Monday. We're going to find out. <laughs> on uh, DallasCowboys.com, and that's it for Mix Shots on this Tuesday. Go Cowboys. <laughs> Good one. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?